what drives me crazy is what I see as lazy leadership and lazy management, which is this, I'm trying to put everybody in the same box and I want to measure everybody the same way. And in the pursuit of scale, that's the story we tell ourselves, like, I need to be able to do that in order to stack all of these blocks and build this big thing that I'm trying to build. Okay, but we lose the humanity in that. Again, if the superpower is really about the human and sales is much more about the human than it is the numbers. The flip side is, and and here's the nuance, right? So to be fair, it's very rare that I interview people who get to the top of the game like immediately, like they blink and they're just so full of natural talent that they end up there. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluviance, Alex Kremer. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Rising Leader Podcast. If this is your first time hopping in and joining us on the show, we welcome you. If we are virtually giving you a very wonderful hug of gratitude for being here with us. I am stoked about today's conversation. We have the wonderful and the infamous Mr. Scott Ingram. So first off, Scott, what is up, dude? Good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Looking forward to having a, a great conversation. So Scott, I knew of you through LinkedIn for a good amount of time, but it wasn't until we were at Ian Koniak's immersion a month or two or three ago, something along those lines, we were both speaking at it. And I just heard you share your story and and where you're at. And I was just like, all right, I I like this guy. (laughs) I like what he's speaking about here. I'm glad it resonated. We'll see if we can do that for the folks listening today, right? I'm in. I'm in for it, man. Let me just kind of give a little bit of background intro on you. I'll let you fill in the gaps too of where I might have missed just for those who don't know. So you are first off the founder of Sales Success Media. You run the Sales Success Summit where over 100 top reps have joined. You've written the book, Sales Success Stories, 60 Stories from 20 Top 1% Sales Professionals, which is hilarious because back in 2020, it was like, I remember during covid I heard you and Scott Barker on a podcast and I just downloaded the book without knowing. And it wasn't until I was like prepping for this interview. I was like, I've read his book (laughs) before, which is so awesome. And besides that, you got two podcasts, the Sales Success Stories podcast and then the Daily Sales Tips podcast. Beyond that, man, you are an account director at Relationship One. You were just doing a whole bunch of good shit in this world for the sales community, for sales professionals, and for sales leaders out there. How's that intro? What did I miss? Is there any cool, weird, unique facts too that you feel called for people to know about you? Nice. Lots of good stuff in that. We're both in Austin. So a great place to be. I am coming up on 20 years here. So continuing to watch this place explode, which is a ton of fun. I'm married. I've got two daughters who impossibly are getting towards the latter part of their high school careers, which is insane. So if you have young children, please don't blink. They grow up very quickly. And then I think just contextually for this, obviously, I've got this giant side hustle with Sales Success Media and the podcasts and the events and all the stuff that we we do there. But during the day, I'm a quota carrying sales professional. And I consider myself, I think I actually coined this term, I consider myself to be an intentional individual contributor. 
So I'm in this mm. role. I don't lead a team uh, on purpose because I mentioned I already have children. And so I think hopefully that perspective is interesting and valuable. It's actually opened some doors for some folks who realized, you know what, leadership is not what I want. I think we end up down sometimes these default paths. Then we're like, oh, that's the next step I'm supposed to take. Like I'm supposed to become a manager and then I'm a manager and I'm supposed to become a director. Is it really? Is that really what you're meant to do? And the way that I think about what I do, I lead from the field. So I don't need the title. I don't need to have people reporting to me, but I absolutely am a leader in my day-to-day roles. I mean, that is not easy. I love how you speak to you are a leader with or without the title. And there's a lot of people, there's like a blueprint of what we're supposed to do in this world, especially if you're in tech. You start off your career if you're an SDR and then you move to an AE and then you move to a manager, director, VP, CRO, and it's a safe path. And there's the achiever in us that says, okay, I'm always trying to make more money. There's always another quota to get. There's always the next promotion to get. And it's just, it's just you're just following along this sort of thing. It's really refreshing to hear that, hey, I'm still a leader even if I don't go the path. And I'll just share, it's like in my personal sales career, the most impactful leaders or coaches that I've had were fellow reps who just taught me how to do everything that I was actually doing. Yeah, that's it. And that's where all of the content I put out really came from because I was only interested in, I didn't want to hear from the consultants and the gurus who haven't carried a quota in, I don't know, like decades. I want to hear from people who are at the top of their game right now because like you, that's where I've always learned the most from. And I, I think if we take the pessimistic view, you've probably heard the line that we get promoted to our highest level of incompetence. You sort of end up in this role where you suck. I really think I'm at my highest level of competence. I'm in a role that I'm great at. And selfishly, I control my schedule, right? Like Mm -hmm. I have a lot of control. I have a lot of freedom. And it allows me to do all of this other stuff that gets me excited that I'm really passionate about. You know what I've found? I'm speaking with tech sales professionals and leaders just Tons and tons every single day, especially as part of the community and all that sort of stuff. And the most common thing that I'm hearing that I didn't used to hear is when I ask them, what's your vision? What's your three-year vision? Nobody or at least very few people are saying, I want to be a VP or I want to be a CRO. It used to be such the common answer. I just want to move up. But more and more people are saying like, yeah, like I definitely don't want to be doing what I'm doing now or staying in this. And it's this weird, we're at this such a unique inflection point where what you're speaking to right now is becoming a lot more common because I think at the end of the day, what people are placing more importance on than ever before is, yeah, sure, they want to make a shit ton of money. Who doesn't want to do that? But they're actually saying, but I actually, I want my health, I want my quality of life, I want my work-life balance to be really good. And that, if I had to sacrifice some money for that, I'll do that. Yeah. It comes down to the intentionality. Like, why are you doing this? Or why do you want to do that? What sort of a progression do you ultimately want to be on? And where are you going to get the most fulfillment? And where are you going to get the ability to focus on the things that are most important to you, right? Like, my highest priority is always my health, right? Because without that, if if I don't have my health, everything else comes crashing down, right? So that's one of the things that I need to be able to prioritize. And I enjoy it. I love working out and doing the things that I do. Mm. You've interviewed a lot of top reps. And 
you yourself are a top rep. You've written a book on top reps. You have a podcast on top reps. So it's like you, you, one can say you are fascinated and extremely curious as to what makes a top rep. And I also want to share for anybody who's listening who's not a rep per se, just input leader or whatever individual contributor you want to within there. What I'm curious about is what does it actually take to become a top rep? When you start to see kind of the through line, the commonality as you're speaking to these people, what are you really seeing of these people? Let's do just one additional piece of contextualizing here. So on the Sales Success Stories podcast, I only interview active quota carrying individual contributors who are either the number one top performer in their company, or I'm willing to settle for the top 1%. And every now and then I'll talk to somebody that's number four on a team of 800 at Microsoft or or whatever it is, right? So that's the bar. I've been doing these interviews now for uh, north of, of seven years. And the way that I like to boil down what it is, because number one, there's no magic bullets. If you were looking for, oh, what's the secret? What's that one thing that the top performers do that they figured out that nobody else has figured out? That's not a thing. I mean, there's some table stakes things like it just takes hard work. There is no easy button. There is no, I had hoped that I've never found this. I had hoped I would find somebody who was so strategic, so like technology enabled that they had found some magical way to do what they do. Nope, not a thing. So you're going to have to work really hard. But I think the first thing you have to decide, I'm going to be great at this. I'm going to be the best at this in my organization. And and what's funny for me is one of my favorite things that has happened a lot of times now is I will have super fans of the podcast. They listen to tons of episodes. They then reach out to me and they say, Scott, I'm going to be on your show. When that happens, when I get like those Babe Ruth moments where they call their shot and they point, the achievement rate on that is really high. So it starts there. But ultimately, like for me, I think it boils down to belief in three things. You have to believe in what you sell. One of the things, all of these conversations have been so stereotype smashing for me because I'd been in sales for uh, a decade or more before I even started this show. And I thought I knew some of the things that made top performers. And a lot of them were wrong. And one of those things was I thought it's all about them, right? It's all about the ego. It's a very selfish thing, right? They'll do whatever they need to do to anybody. They'll run over their mother if it means they're going to get a deal and be number one. That could not be further from the truth, (laughs) right? Other than I will qualify this, there could be some selection bias here because it's possible that those assholes won't come on my show because I will expose them. And so maybe they know, no, I'm a selfish prick and I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to talk about this because all I care about is me. Why would I share my story and try to help other people? So maybe there's some selection bias in this, but I've talked to a lot of top performers and they tend to be very humble and they are servant leaders. It is all about helping their customers be successful. And by doing that, all of the numbers and the results and the W-2s and the leaderboard and all that stuff takes care of itself. So that brings us back to this belief thing and believing in what you sell. If you don't believe in what you sell, you can't serve your customers. You can't be 
an upstanding, decent person. So you have to believe in what you're selling. And to some degree, I think you also have to believe and trust in the organization you sell for. Does the leadership care about you? Do you have a manager that's going to support you? Because it's very rare that you get to that number one spot despite your leader. This is way too hard to do in and of itself to also be overcoming a horrible leader in the process, Mm. right? So you need a partner in this. You need somebody that's going to be able to help you get this done. So you believe in your product. You you believe in your organization. You have to believe in yourself. This is that calling into your shot moment. You have to believe that I can be the, the best and I believe that I'm capable. And then you have to believe in your process right? Mm. Whatever that is. Now, here's the thing. And I think this, especially for sales leaders who are listening to this, I think is the most important thing. Having done all of these interviews and the range of introversion to extroversion and all of these things is so broad, it would blow your mind. Ultimately, what it comes down to is the best of the best have figured out how to be the best versions of them. And so in order to do that, they need the freedom and the space to be themselves. It's a fine line of making sure that we're not constraining people too much. Process is important. Don't get me wrong. But it has to fit. It has to work for that person. I've been joking here recently that because I've had this kind of leader before, I I won't call the leader is I've had this kind of manager leader is the wrong kind of word for this type of individual where they wanted me to do it their way. They're like, you need to go to the customer and you need to say this and you need to do that. Like, but that's not me. That will work for you. That will work coming out of your mouth with your style and the way that you operate. That won't work for me. I think of it like asking me to show up to a sales call and insisting that I wear a size three dress. That is not going to be pretty. (laughs) It is just not going to work. What I need is a 42 regular coat. (laughs) That is going to work. And I'm going to wear some jeans with it. As a leader, you have to allow people a space to find that superpower. And if you're trying to become great, you really have to lean into those things that are your own superpowers. And what's maybe not obvious about those is a lot of times those are the things that come really easy to you. So Mm -hmm. while you have to work at this, sometimes your superpower is something that you're like, this is so automatic for me. Right. So the trick is discovering those things and really leaning into those things because they make all the difference. All right. First off, Scott, the image of you in a size three skirt is terrifying. (laughs) I much prefer you in the 42 regular. By the way, we have the same body type because I also wear a 42 regular. So I resonate with that. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my question. I'm gonna play a devil's advocate here as a sales leader because I've hired, coached, or trained, or managed over 150 reps at this point. And I love what you say. I want you to be in your genius. I want you to be the truest version of yourself and allow that to happen. Yet at the same time, if I'm leading a team or I'm leading multiple teams and we're trying to scale an organization, like in 2018, I was when I was at Outreach, my first time manager role, we were scaling. Like I was hiring five new people a month and turning them into sales professionals. So how do you find the fine line between giving people their freedom to do that while also being like, but you got to sound like this to a point? 
And that is the challenge, right? And it's easier for me to say as an individual contributor when I don't have a lot of people. Here's the thing here. I'm going to give two sides of this. I, I think the one side is and what drives me crazy is what I see as lazy leadership and lazy management, which is this. I'm trying to put everybody in the same box and I want to measure everybody the same way. And in the pursuit of scale, that's the story we tell ourselves, like, I need to be able to do that in order to stack all of these blocks and build this big thing that I'm trying to build. Okay, but we lose the humanity in that. Again, if the superpower is really about the human and sales is much more about the human than it is the numbers. The flip side is, and, and here's the nuance, right? So to be fair, it's very rare that I interview people who get to the top of the game like immediately, like they blink and they're just so full of natural talent that they end up there. Usually, this is something that you work at for, for a while before you climb those ranks. Think of it as musical improvisation. You don't just walk into a jazz club and you just solo and you improvise your brains out. That's not how it works. Like first, you learn to read the music. And then over time, you get to incorporate like your own personality, your own style, your own feel. And we've all watched these shows with the musical performers. Like when people get great at that, it's when they find themselves. When they find like, I found my sound. I think the happy medium there is because I think at the end of the day, both points are correct. We can't run a sales organization of nothing but jazz musicians like that is going to be a cacophony of awfulness. So we have to figure out like, what are the core non-negotiables? What do we have to have documented in CRM? <laughs> right? What meetings do you have to go to? <laughs> there are some fundamental things that we're going to have to establish. But if you're willing to do the work and be a great leader and help people discover their superpowers, it will blow your mind. Imagine if you have this sales team and recognizing that there are one or more people with superhero potential. And if you could just give them a cape they can fly. Why mm. wouldn't you want that person to fly? Or are you going to leave them locked in the phone booth? So it's finding that happy mm. medium. You still have to go into the phone booth because you have to put on your cape, right? You still have to do that core, fundamental, foundational work. Clark Kent has never flown. <laughs> we got to put on the cape. That's the core. But then let them be free. Let them be themselves. Let them share those ideas and cross-pollinate and inspire each other to greater heights. Because because what's better than one superhero? Like the Avengers. We've got a whole team of them. I feel like what you're speaking to is actually the core problem that is happening, not just in the corporate world, but like in society, is we've got this cookie-cutter type of model. We're indoctrinated since we're children. Go to school and then go to college and then get a job and behave a certain type of way. When sales hit quota and get a promotion, hit quota, get a promotion, even goes to family, get a white picket fence, have a family. It's like all this stuff of just we're required to live within this realm, this world, be this way. And for society, it's really safe. You're going to be exactly perfect that we can manage you and all this sort of stuff. And what you're saying is, sure, there's value in that. Yes, I see, especially to be able to scale. But in my opinion, the times when I when I speak with people 
who I'm coaching and I see the people who are really down or they're depressed or they're just like, what the fuck, dude? Like what's on me right now is the people who are trying to fit into this box. And again, they're fucking Clark Kent. They got a cape under this suit. And either they know it or they don't know it, but they don't feel like they can have the ability to let their freak flag, weirdness, uniqueness, strength, superpower out. And that's it. At the end of the day, here's the thing. I think it all boils down to freedom. I think most people, if you dig really deep into what do they want, they just want freedom. And when you have that freedom, when you're not locked in a phone booth, you're happier. You get to be yourself, like your level of fulfillment and satisfaction is good. I work for one of these kinds of organizations. There's a reason I have worked for the same company for eight years. That doesn't happen. It never happened in my career before that, but it happens now because I have that freedom and I get to do the other stuff I want to do and I don't get pushback because of that. And what's the other result? I perform at a much higher level. So everybody wins. Everybody wins. I think it's one of those counterintuitive things. We think, well, you know what? If we repress everybody and we stick them in their boxes, it'll be much easier to manage the boxes. But you know what? That doesn't really work because now everybody's rebelling. And they're like trying to tip over the box and they're trying to escape from the box. And if you had just let them be free in the first place, maybe we're torturing this analogy to death. But I think to me... It all boils down to freedom. It's what we want. And it's the thing that salespeople rebel against the most. We hate universally top performers, freaking everybody. Do not micromanage me. Do not get this granular with me. Let me do my thing. If you will move, I will do my thing. The most miserable I was in my sales career, I was working for a a, a large Fortune 500 company with a huge sales team in 2008. So we hit a recession. This company was infamous. They did 40 quarters of double-digit growth. Wow. Public company, 40 quarters. And so what is their planning process? Take last year's number, add two digits to it and roll that down. It got to a point that I was spending 30 to 40 percent of my time documenting what I was spending my time doing because there were eight people between me and that CEO and the missing of the numbers and the pressure just kept rolling downhill till it all landed on me. And I had to document all this stuff. And I'm like, look, if you would just let me do my thing, maybe or maybe I won't get to 100 or 110 percent. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. Last year, we threw over four retreats and helped over 150 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders. And next, we got it going on May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area. So make sure you apply to alluvians.co to check it out for more. But it'll be better than this. And we're both going to be happier because I hate this and you're not getting the results you want. So Mm -hmm. it's this fundamental freedom thing. Who knew this is the punchline where we were going to land today, but uh, there's something here, I think. Freedom. Yeah. (laughs) Why I actually really this is because when you look at what's happening today, 
I'm not going to take this political or anything like that, but let, let's just bring it that a corporation is a microcosm for what's happening at a much larger scale. But when you look at corporations today, and let's specifically focus on tech sales corporations, so many of them are fucked up right now. Genuinely, when I am speaking with sales professionals and sales leaders every single day, so many people are like, man, what the hell? They're burnt out. They're feeling isolated. What used to hit so good in 2018, 2019 doesn't have the sizzle or the pop that it used to. And we're in such a crazy, unique time right now because at the end of the day, corporations are still very important. They provide commerce, they provide value, innovation, all this sort of stuff. So learning how to build a corporation and have people who are at a level of embodiment leading them is really important because if all the people who end up finding their true expression and, and want to step into freedom end up leaving and starting their own thing, who's left to be leading these companies, especially with all the money and all the lobbying and all that sort of stuff that they have? This is like the key thing. It's like companies need to figure out how to let people feel a greater sense of freedom or a greater sense of show your cape. Let that out more. And yes, I'm here to make sure you can make a lot of money and make a shit ton of money because that's important for sure. I want that in my life. There's no doubt. It provides wonderful opportunities, especially if you give back and all that sort of stuff. But actually what I'm wanting now more than ever is to be the truest expression of myself and to figure out what is the uniqueness of me that wants to come out. And if companies can't figure out how to allow people to do that and create a safe space to do that, it's scary to think with how much innovation, especially with AI that's happening is, wow, we're really doing some good ass shit here. But if the people at the top or the people at these companies or the people selling the product aren't feeling the Hmm, this is, feels good to me. My heart's good, feeling good at this. I'm terrified of what actually ends up happening. I'm going to take this in a little bit of a different direction from the freedom thing, although who knows, maybe it'll come back around. I think this also is a truth and trust kind of dynamic. And I'm going to step up on a whole different soapbox here because I think the first thing that you have to do, I mean, the reason we're seeing everything go so sideways it starts with just a misalignment of expectations. Like we've not acknowledged the reality that, hey, the economy and the market changed. And so we're not going to double every year like we were. And we have to react to that. And I think that reaction has been really slow. And again, it's the same type of thing. Like the pressure is mounting and maybe that pressure is coming from VCs or the board or wherever it is, right? And that's rolling downhill. But at the rep level, and let's talk about quota specifically. What I think really has to happen is you have to acknowledge the reality. You have to be open and transparent about where things are and what's going on. And sometimes we have to reset the expectations. That's what you do as an executive team or at the board level. If the marketplace dynamic has changed, you're going to reset those expectations with the board, with your investors, what have you. Why don't we take that same approach with sellers? And here's my issue with quota. And, and a lot of this got out there publicly. And I think a lot of it stems from this like ivory tower VC kind of concept. But there's this idea that if more than 70% of your sellers are making their number, then your number is too low. 
I've heard that before. Yep. And again, it's what happens, though, to the psychology. Let's think about the individual. If I, as an individual seller, am at 90% of my number, the reality is I'm well above what you expected of me. The problem is winners are going to win and losers are going to lose. And I feel like a loser because I'm not making my number. And so part of the solution here is you have to disconnect quota from commission, compensation and commission, right? Those can be two different things, but most reps don't understand. They think that quota is my job. If I'm not doing 100%, I'm not doing my job and I might be fired. When a lot of times, again, that's just not the reality. And how many organizations, shoot, we're at a place right now where the data says, Man, if 70% of your team is making your number, you're killing it. Their numbers are a lot worse than those 70% numbers. So you've got an entire group of people who feel bad, who feel maybe undue pressure that they don't need to be feeling. And when you're selling, the way that you sell, your mindset, your level of confidence is different. I haven't figured out a way to hack this, even though I know this is true. I'm going to make this personal. I am a different seller when I'm ahead of my numbers than when I'm behind my numbers. One of those sellers is much better than the other one. Well, why wouldn't we want more of our sellers feeling that way? Like they're doing the right things. They are winning. They can be confident and do the right things. And the ripple effects of that are so massive because if I'm doing dumb, unnatural things, I'm writing bad business that's going to churn, that's going to be way more work for my delivery team to execute. It's a mess. It's a shit show if I sell bad business because I'm desperate. Whereas when I sell good business because I'm confident and I'm feeling good, my margins are higher, my customers are happier, they're renewing, they're buying more, they're referring us. It's such a positive cycle that you can get into, but we've put so much pressure on people and pushed them into these downward spirals that, yeah, no wonder business is a mess right now. When you look at the value of doing that, the value of making it only 50% of your team should be hitting quota. That's probably the sweet spot, right? Or whatever that number is. And from a VC perspective, it's we're going to push these people just a little bit beyond their capacity and squeeze everything we can out of them. And then when they're dry, we'll toss them. We'll move them on to the next. It's very much like a short-term gain. But what it's also doing, you spoke to it very well. Not only are you closing bad business in order to be able to hit that, just... Scott and Alex, when they're hitting quota in all areas of their life is better. I'm better with my relationships. I'm better just what I'm eating. I'm better in going to socialize with all this sort of stuff. That, and I end up putting out a good vibration to it. And especially for salespeople who are very achievement oriented, who very often care what people think about them, who want to see their name up on the leaderboard, want to be number one, right? can even be people pleasers if, if we take it that far. Like that's there's a positive purpose to being a people pleaser. It helps you be a diplomat, helps you connect with people. But when we're telling them, hey, you're actually not good enough, that becomes a sickness. And then that, even if you were able to squeak out a little bit more money because certain reps worked a little bit harder or push themselves further from a long-term thing, we're creating a systematic problem within these corporations 
within this like how salespeople are, are talking about sets and like what you're speaking to. And that holistic thing, I think, is so important, right? If you look at the sales human, it's just not who they are and what they do in those eight or 10 or 12 hours a day that they're working for you. Their life comes through. You're reminding me one of the first sales success summits, somebody observed, they're like, wow, like these people, they're not drinking that much. They're eating pretty healthy. They're going to bed pretty early. Wow, this is not what I would have expected. Again, more stereotypes being smashed. This is not what I would have expected. Imagine those things like, hey, I'm ahead of my numbers. I'm feeling good. I feel confident. I believe in my product. I believe that I'm serving my customers. I feel good. I'm getting good sleep. I'm working out. My relationships are strong and healthy and I'm happy, like life is good versus I'm behind my numbers, I'm stressed, I'm losing sleep, I feel like I don't have time to work out, I'm drinking. Like again, are we putting people in a downward spiral or are we giving them an opportunity to climb a ladder and have everything get better in their life? It gets me excited that we're at least starting to have these types of conversations. And I do think that more organizations are starting to take into consideration at least this idea. Like when 2020 happened and there was this big craze around mental health, like it became a thing. And and that was wonderful. I mean, was it at the level that we needed it to be? No, but that's okay because we just weren't at that level of development yet. What organizations try to do is throw, hey, Here's a free subscription to the Calm app or Headspace. Or here's the five things that you need to do in order to create more space on your calendar. All these different types of things. And there's a genuineness that's from it. But it was like, if you got weeds, like they're just trying to trim the weeds versus actually going to the root of it and actually getting that thing. Yep. Okay, so let's tie that idea to leadership. And and let's also tie it to the way that we sell and, and the types of engagements that we're having. So the lazy leadership approach is management by the numbers. So Alex, we're going to have this one-on-one and I'm going to go through your numbers and I'm going to go through your deals and I'm going to go through your pipeline. Okay, how impactful is that really going to be? Is that really going to move the needle versus do I take this holistic approach Do I look at Alex as a whole human? Am I curious and interested in you, in what's going on in your life? Are you getting sleep? Are you getting your workouts in, right? Like, how's your head? How's your wife? How is all of that stuff? And getting beyond the numbers, that's powerful. It's also powerful in our customer engagements. What if I only look at the nuts and the bolts and like the deal as it is on paper. Think of an RFP, right? Oh, we checked all the boxes. We filled out all this stuff. Like on paper, this looks great. How successful is that sales effort versus the one who builds a real relationship, who understands why and the political dynamics and the personal dynamic and the emotion behind the deal and the opportunity? Who's going to win? So, I'm pretty sure those two ideas are very closely connected. They're the same idea. If I manage the human, the whole human, I'm going to get a better result. If I manage the relationships and the bigger picture of the deal versus just the presentation and the proposal and the ROI calculator, I'm going to get better results. I'm going to win more. We win human to human. That's all this boils down to. Freedom and humans. So here's my question for you. Why are more people not doing that? 
why is that so hard? <laughs> like that, that's the thing. It's like what you're speaking to is be a human, feel your heart, feel their heart. Like what's, what's the issue? It's messy, right? It's hard to document. I can't put it in a spreadsheet. It's squishy. And maybe it's not obvious. Maybe this conversation inspires somebody to go, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. I've been doing this wrong. I'm missing a huge opportunity. And the way I always feel about these conversations is if this conversation, if you and I can impact one person, this was totally worth it. So hopefully I get to hear from that person. <laughs> Tell me, hey, Scott, I heard you. I didn't just listen like I heard you. And I'm changing yeah. something because of it. And everybody's going to be happier and you're going to get better results. One of the reasons why I think it's also hard is because it requires people to look in the mirror and look at themselves because it's really scary to like actually go and feel the emotions of somebody else also requires you to go in and feel the emotions of yourself, of you as a sales professional, as you as a leader. And there's some nuances and some scariness and there's fear yeah. doing that because, hey, if I'm trying to like really connect with you, if I have to be willing to go on that journey with myself in order for me to be impactful at it. Yeah. Because you can't get there without trust. Like there has to be some transparency there because if you're an automaton of a leader, why would I tell you that stuff? <laughs> you're like, yeah. beep, I need to know this information. I'm like, you don't care. I need to know that you freaking care about this. See, again, mm -hmm. same thing with our customers. If I know that you care about the outcome and not that you don't just care that I buy, you just need to buy. That's really all you care about. Okay, well, this isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like three things that you need to believe in. One of them is what you sell. And when you say what you sell, are you actually helping your customers? Yep. I could talk about this for a long period of time. I also feel like we're scratching the surface of what we could do. I have two questions for you. One of the questions is simply, how would you summarize this? Like we've talked about a lot of really good stuff right here about being a top seller, about corporations around leadership. Like how would you kind of really put that into a, this is what we're talking about here. Yeah, I think if we just look at the really big themes, it's belief, it's trust, it's freedom and creating freedom. And it's human. That's all this is, right? Is I'm not saying your numbers don't matter. I'm not saying you have to never look at a spreadsheet again. What I am saying is there's a lot more to it. And relationships matter and humans matter. And I love and am so excited about the possibility represented by AI. There's a reason I've been in technology my entire life. But at the end of the day, it's humans that use that technology. And ideally, it's humans who benefit from that technology. It all comes back to the human. So I have one one final question here for you. But before I, I ask a question, I do just want to just acknowledge you of just, I love not only the amount of passion that comes through in what you're speaking to and your wisdom around it. I think it's also really inspiring for so many people to see that, hey, you're still in the game. You still have a bag. And to also at the same time to be throwing a summit, to be having podcasts, to be writing a book, it says there's not really an excuse here, y'all. It's powerful. And also the message that you promote, that you share is, hey, yes, still become better at the craft. This is so important. Become better yes. at the craft. Let's not discount that. Yep. Become better as a sales professional, as someone who enrolls people. And make sure you're actually tapping into who you truly are. Because that's when you become good. You don't need to sound like somebody else 
or do that. There's value in learning from those people, but don't forget it's you and the unique expression of you that's so important. So I just acknowledge you for not just embodying that yourself, but also for promoting that message to support others in doing that too. Yeah, I appreciate you you saying that, right? At, at the end of the day, it's my superpower, right? It's being able to share what's real for me, like my own stories, but also telling the stories of others, right? This is a lot of collective wisdom and knowledge. Before I started this show and this community, I had heard the Jim Rohn quote that says you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, like dozens of times. And I believed it, but I didn't ever actually do something about it. And this, when I boiled down my why, it comes to inspiration squared. I love to be around people who inspire me. I love to hear those inspirational stories, but I also want to be somebody who inspires others. And Mm. that is my virtuous cycle, right? Mm. Those things feed on each other. And that being intentional of, I want to surround myself with the best people out there. I want to be like them. I want to learn from them. And now they're all my friends. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So my last question for you is this. The show is called The Rising Leader Podcast. What do you view as the rising leader? To me, leadership is about service. And being that rising leader is rising and stepping into service and taking care of your team. And with that is managing up right? Is serving your leaders. Like when you're a leader, you have leaders. So it's being a true servant leader. Mm. Hell yeah. Being a true servant leader and letting that cape show. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Put it on, fly. Hell yeah. Scott, let me ask you this question as a final one. If people want to follow you, get in contact with you, just learn more about you or the work you're doing, what is the best way to do so? Yeah, go to top1.fm. So T-O-P, the number one dot F-M. You'll find all the stuff from there. If you want to collect, connect on LinkedIn, you want to subscribe to a couple of podcasts, you want to check out the summit, it's all there, top1.fm. Alex, thanks for, thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. You got me thinking about some stuff. Maybe I've even inspired my, myself a little bit. I guess more to think about. <laughs> I love it. We've done the same for me. And for all those listeners who dropped in, thank you as always for being here. And if you know somebody, and I know you do, who needs to hear this podcast, send this to them so they can get up level like you. And Scott, once again, thank you, brother. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluviance.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluviance. Alluviance is helping sales professionals, sales leaders, and founders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales leaders, founders on not just getting better at the craft, but really working on the inner game, gaining clarity on their vision, and also overcoming what's holding them back. The best part is you'll be doing it in an incredible community of high performers who are also trying to do the exact same thing. Our next immersion is going to be this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas. And make sure you check out alluviance.co to apply there. Can't wait to see you.